0: Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good, good. Good to see you guys. Yes, we are kicking off a brand new series today called "My Name Is God," and we're looking at the names of God. And this series is going to take us right up to Easter, and uh, we're going to be looking at the names of God reflected on the banners around you. Uh, they're not all of the ones that we see in Scripture. But, um, there, are a handful of the major ones and, uh, those will have more meaning and we'll continue to talk about that. So pretty excited about this new series. Now, the whole concept of names, is just a fascinating study because every name has some sort of history or every name has some sort of meaning behind it, you know, so I don't know if there's any Michaels, any Michaels in the house out there, there's some Michaels out there, you know, like for example, Michael means who is like God and, uh, it doesn't mean you're like God, don't get confused, um. I'm Michael, I'm like God. No, um, it's like who's like God? It's rhetorical. Like, man, how awesome is God. All right. I know we have some Brians in the house. Uh, your Brians, like your name means noble or high, um, which is pretty cool. So there's a nobility uh there with Brians. Any Amandas out there? I don't know if we have any Amandas out there in the house. Some Amandas. Uh, that means worthy of love or lovable. Isn't that cute? Yeah. So all the Amanda's gonna go home like. I'm worthy of love. That's wonderful. Uh, Jennifer's, I don't know if there's some Jennifer's out there. Jennifer's mean fair one, fair one. So I love this. Every time I look at my name, I love what it says next to it. It says warrior. I'm like, yeah, it's a great name. That's better than like, you know, fat butterfly or something crazy. Like, you know, warrior. I like that. So uh, names have history. They have meanings. But here's the thing. In the ancient Near East, the picking of names had greater depth of understanding and meaning. All the names that you see when you study scripture and ancient uh, ancient Near East text, uh, the names that were picked were pregnant with meaning. A lot of times it was something that uh, was true about you or they would hope would be true about you or maybe something to do with the circumstances of your birth or your family. And so the the names have deeper meaning. For us, we usually pick names because we like the sound of it, or it's got a namesake to a family member, or we just figure that name's the safest because all the kids at school can't really do much with that to be mean to my kid. You know, we think of all these different things. You know, it doesn't rhyme funny like, you know, Haley Bailey or something like that. I don't know. Um, We have all these different reasons we pick names. But in the ancient Near East, there was much greater significance tied to the name. For example, a couple of biblical names uh, as reminders. Moses. Moses means drawn out. And he was given that name because Pharaoh's daughter drew him out of the Nile River. And so his name meant drew out. You see Esau. Esau means hairy. You want to take a guess at why his name was Esau? Because he was a hairy guy. And so his name was hairy. Not in the context of H-A-R-R-Y. It's the other kind of hairy. Um, Jacob, his brother was supplanter or heel grabber, you know? And it's because when he was born, he had his hand on his, on his brother's ankle, you know, as heel as he was being coming out of the womb. And so as you study the life of Jacob, you see <clears throat> he truly was a supplanter. Um, he was a heel grabber. The name Naomi, pleasantness, you know? You, you read through the story that has Naomi in it. You see her pleasant nature. We just did the study of David a while back. Some of you may remember what David means. David means beloved, beloved, beloved by God. Uh, we see, for example, what God did in Genesis when he took a man named Abram, which means high father, and he changed his name. And he went from Abram to Abraham. And Abraham means a father of many, because God said, I'm going to make you a father of a nation. And so he changed his name to fit the context. And he took his wife, Sarai, which means my princess. It was Abraham's princess, my princess. And he changed her name to Sarah, which was a princess in general, meaning she's going to be a princess of many because she's married to the one who's going to be the father of many. And so names have greater depth of meaning when we look in the ancient text. And so that's why it's so critical when we start to look at the Bible, we start to unpack scriptures, these ancient texts, we start to see all the names that God's referred to. Because when we look at the names of God, uh, it's not just fun little names. They have depth of meaning to them. And the, the names of God that we see in scripture reflect his nature. They reflect his character what's true of him. And when you and I start to understand the names of God, when we start to understand what Jehovah Shama means and what Jehovah Nisi means and, and uh, today's Elohim, all that kind of stuff, we start to look at that. We start to get more of a context of who God is. We understand his nature better and his character better. And so we start to feel closer to God. We have a, a better understanding of God. And so instead of this nebulous, vague, generic God, he starts to take on greater depth and meaning and clarity for us as his followers. And so the names of God is a fascinating study. I think it's one of the things that's going to help us uh, become more intimate uh, with the one true God as we strive to be his beloved children. So today we want to look at the very first name that God ever revealed himself to be to us. And the very first name that God ever revealed himself to us as was Elohim. Elohim. And so got a little, I just want to interact with this a little bit. And so uh, he, he introduces himself, big capital E, Elohim, okay? And what we see is this context is God. As we go through this series here, what, what we're gonna notice is, this is kind of a very large, um, <laughs> you know, understanding of who God is as Elohim. And then, and then in a couple of weeks, we're gonna talk about how he gets really specific and, and, and how he wants us to understand him as Yahweh. And then as we, as we understand the specificity of God, then we start to see all these other uh, contexts Uh, these other constructs of who God is. And we start to understand what it means to be Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, and all these things. And so, but today we have to start with the foundation. Today we have to start at the top of the funnel, if you will, and say, who is this God? Who is this Elohim? And so let's talk about that word a bit. Now, uh, the word Elohim is first seen in the book of Genesis. And so we're going to be hanging out in Genesis quite a bit this morning. So I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. If you don't know where that is. It's the beginning, all right? So first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, and we're looking at verse 1. So we're, we're going all the way back, Genesis 1-1 right here, and, and invite you to look there in your Bible, Genesis 1-1. And what we see when we get there is these huge five words. These are five of the biggest, most significant words in the entire Bible. Like, you have to start here, because if you can't move beyond this, you're in trouble. And what we see there is this, in the beginning, God created. Would you guys just say that with me? In the beginning, God created. And you got to start there. And we're still having this debate, right? Last week, you know, Bill and Nye, the science guy, and Ken Ham, they got together and, you know, and went at it again. This, is, this has been a debate for centuries. Do we or do we not have a creator? And so we see here in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In the beginning, God created. That word there is Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created. And when you open up the book of Genesis chapter 1, and you look, look, look for a second in your Bible there, and just look at all the words It says God. You can underline them, highlight them, whatever, or just look at them with your eyes. It says from Genesis 1, 1, all the way to Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, every time it says God, guess what word it is? Elohim. Every time. Elohim, 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 Elohim. Just 33 times in a row. So he's basically saying, I'm coming to the party. When I come to the party and I'm grabbing one of those little name tags and I'm writing my name down, the first name I want you to know me as is Elohim. I'm introducing myself. I'm translating myself to mankind first to understand me as Elohim. Now, Elohim was not a word uh, that was unique to the Jewish people. It was a word that was used in the ancient Near East. And, and the whole concept of Elohim or God, and, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a plural use of the word El, Alright? So L, singular version of God, Elohim, plural version. And, and what we're talking about, though, is the capital E Elohim. Because what you saw, capital E L. Because what you would see in the Bible as you start to go through the Bible, there's little E's everywhere. There's little L's and little Elohims. Sometimes angels or references to false gods or pagan gods, or sometimes people in leadership, whether it be you know kings or leaders or prophets or whatever, sometimes were referred to as little L's or little Elohims, but it was always a little E. God showing up and saying, hey, I'm big E. By the way, little pet peeve, little thing. I remember when someone taught me this when I was a young man. If you're ever writing God, always use a capital G. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, we think that's kind of common, but like it's part of our discipleship because as we start to grow up, there's been many times when people will turn in prayer requests, whatever, and it's like little G. Now, we don't worship the little G, do we? that big G, all capitals, okay? I mean, don't dare... Give yourself a capital letter to start your name and then give God a little one. That's, that's not gonna go good for you. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, yeah, we gotta we got go with the big E, Elohim. And this whole concept of L and, and all of those things. Now, here's what Elohim means. Elohim means mighty one. It means strong one. And so when God comes out of the gate, he's saying, I want you to understand, I'm the capital E Elohim, I'm the mighty one, I'm the strong one. And the way we see it displayed from the get-go is through the power of creation. He's saying, I'm creator. Because no one else can do what he did. God created everything. And not only that, God created everything out of what? Nothing. Nothing. He didn't show up to a pile of stuff and go, hmm, okay, let's see what I can make here. You know, there was a joke a long time ago about a, a scientist that called God out and said, hey, let's have a little competition. I think I can create just like you can create. I can create life. You've created life. I can create life. Let's, let's have a showdown. And God's like, all right. And so they show up and they get down and the scientist grabs this big pile of dirt and God goes, uh-uh, get your own dirt. Because <laughs> God made everything. No, we're creative. God's given us the creative capacity where we can, we can take things and we can be creative and we can construct stuff. We don't take and make something out of nothing. Only God has that ability. Why? Because he's Elohim. He's the mighty one, the strong one. And so he introduces himself that way right out of the gate. And so it's that plural, uh, plural use of the word el. And we understand that. Here's the other thing that's beautiful about Elohim. When we, when we understand Elohim and the use of the word, it's plural. What comes to your mind when you hear that? Anyone want to take a guess? How does God exist? Trinity, right? Yeah. When you look at Elohim, it's the, it's the uh, plural use of El, which is God. And so, you know, kind of go back to the mystery of the Trinity. We know this is huge. And so we know that we have God. We've got El, if you will, here. This is, this is that, you know, in the Hebrew, it's L, And we know that it's one God. All through Scripture, one God, one God, one God, one God. And then he introduces the whole concept, of the mystery of the Trinity, right? And so we know that we have the Father... And we know that we have the Son, and we know that we have the Holy Spirit. And we know this that the Father is God. But we also know that the Son is God. We'll talk about that a little more today, even. Um, We know that the Holy Spirit is God, they're all God. But they're Elohim. They exist as one. So when you see the word Elohim, it reflects the triune nature of God. It also um, reflects the the unity and the majesty of this God. And so uh, we have all that. But the Father is not the Son. And the Son is not the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not the Father. They're distinct Personalities. And so I know that I know that's one of the biggest hangups for people is like, well, how many gods are there? Because Elohim, it means more than one, right? No. It's it's a plural use of a singular word. And so it's it's a it's a mystery to us in, the, in respect. But it's how God's revealed himself as Elohim, as the mighty one, as the strong one. And so we have to understand uh, God's introducing himself this way first. You know, a verse that we've heard a lot of times in our life growing up as Christians, perhaps, is Psalm 14.1. It says the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Anyone want to guess what word that is? Elohim. And so it says the fool, the one who says there is no God, it says there's no Elohim, there's no mighty one, there's no strong one, there's no creator. And so unfortunately, (laughs) many people have and will go through this life not believing that, only to come face to face with Elohim himself and go, oops, I was wrong. And so God as he inscribed on that name tag for the first time, says, I want you to know me first as Elohim. Because think about how we come to God. We come to God so we say Father. And, and we call him Savior. And we call him Lord. And all those things are good. But you can't come to him as Father until you first see him as your creator. You can't come to him as your Lord and your Savior until you first understand that he's your creator. And then he made you. And so that's how he introduces himself as the creator, the mighty one, the strong one. Now, I can't go through the entire creation account right now, but I just want to look at four parts of the creation account, four understandings that tie to creation that help us understand God as Elohim and understand this characteristic, this nature of him as the mighty one, the strong one. The first is this in that creation account, we see this that Elohim created light. He created light. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. It says, God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God made light when there was no light. This is the classic example, but I think it's so profound for any of us who have had that experience. If you've ever been in a cave, right? You've gone to visit a cave or tour a cave. Inevitably, what they do is they take you to some part of the cave. And what do they do? Turn off the lights. See, so we want you to know what it's like to be underground when there's absolutely zero light. And they turn off the lights. And then they'll take like a match, light like one match. and What does it do? It just illuminates the whole cavern. they we'll have like a little pin light or some little light. And that little light just, you know, pierces the darkness. You get, just think about creation. God was making things and God said, let there be light. And he flooded the darkness with light. No one can do that. Only the mighty one, only the strong one, only the creator, only Elohim has the capacity to let there be light. And so he created light, and I think this is very significant because even in a metaphorical sense, think about how God has shed light into your life. Because one thing is true of us. We either are spiritually blind in the darkness right now, or we were in spiritual blindness and darkness at some point. And I want you to think about, and maybe it was not too distant, you know, uh, past, or maybe it's been many years or decades, that time when you did not know God. You didn't have a relationship with God. And we're in spiritual darkness at that place. And we don't have the light of God. And all of a sudden, you start to feel his drawing. He, God is drawing you. He's inviting you into relationship. He's wanting you to know about his love and his power and his purpose. And as you start to draw close to God, what does he do? He turns on the lights. And he starts to flood the darkness of your very being with his light. I'm a freak when it comes to blinds. When I get up in the morning, I'm like, I want the blinds open. I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm going through the house trying to open the blinds. I walk into my kid's room. I'm like, how can you be in here without the blinds closed? You know, I open the blinds, especially in, you know, Cleveland, when you only get the sun, you know, 50% of the time of the year. You know, it's like, if there's a big ball in the sky, open the blinds. You know, it's like, let that light in. And all of us at some point, the blinds were closed in our spiritual house and we were in darkness, deep darkness, and God opened the blinds and flooded in. And when God's light comes into your life, you think different, you feel different, you believe different, you speak different. Why? Because God's light comes flooding in. Elohim is the great illuminator. And he creates light and it pierces the darkness, and he vanquishes the darkness in our life. It has to flee. And I love what it says in Job 12, 22. It says, he uncovers the deeps of darkness and brings deep darkness to what? Light. Man, when you're spiritually blind, all you see is darkness. But when you start to understand that you have a mighty one, a strong one, a creator, your eyes are open and you see the light. So first we understand God Elohim is one who created light and he floods the darkness. The second thing I want to look at here in the creation account is that Elohim created life. He created light and he created life. I just want you to just pause for a second. I just want you to maybe think about even roll a mental movie in your mind of some of the most crazy creatures you've ever seen. Or just fascinating visits to the zoo were times you were watching, you know, Discovery Channel or Animal Planet. When, when Pastor Rick and I were in Lombok back in the fall, uh, we had a chance, because you have to try out the waters of Lombok. We, did, we went ahead and snorkeled, you know, with uh, Tony and Kaylin. And um, there was a time when uh, we were snorkeling, and Tony's like, get over here, get over here. And I looked, and we were following this cuttlefish. We found a cuttlefish. And if you don't know what that thing is, it looks like a, a, a fat little squid, Right? And it just kind of goes along the water and is like staring at us with his eyes because he wasn't quite sure what our intentions were, you know. And he's just turning colors. Ah, blue, brown, you know, just, just totally, you know, it was just amazing to watch. And I just looked at that cuttlefish and I went, wow, God. I don't know, wow, God. And then, of course, you know, he's living in this little, if you ever snorkel, just all the colors with these fish, you're like, seriously, evolution? Come on. And, 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 you, and you look at the canopy of God's creation. You look at all these amazing species. Think about the times you've seen that. And we come back to the roots of that in Genesis 1. Look at 11 and 12. It says, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruits trees bearing fruit, which is their seed according to its kind, and on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plant yielding seed according to its own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, which is of their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. You jump down to verse 20, 25. He continues to create living things. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. And let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of heavens. I mean, like, I think about, like, since I moved to Ohio, I've seen more cool birds than I have any other time in my life. You just, I set out some of your backyards, and you can see 20 different kinds of birds. It's amazing. God, God is so cool how he does stuff. And so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that <clears throat> moves with which the waters swarm according to the kinds and every winged bird according to his kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to the kinds. And it was so and God made the beasts of the earth according to the kinds and all the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God produced all this life from nothing. From nothing. Every crazy species of creature we've ever seen. We should constantly be walking around in awe. Like, like, like whether you're at the zoo or you're snorkeling, or you're petting your dog, or you're walking through a metro park, or you're watching, you know, Discovery Channel, we should constantly be in awe of Elohim, the mighty one, the creator, who not only created this stuff, he created it out of nothing, and not only did he create it out of nothing, he spoke it, his word, the power of his word. This is the Elohim, the mighty one, the one who creates life out of nothing. Every time we look in a telescope, every time we look in a microscope, we just see Elohim, the mighty one. And this is so huge for us because I want you to think about this. Because all of us have something going on in our life. We have these things. And sometimes we wonder if God's like, are you there? Can you take care of this? Do you love me? Do you know what's going on? And we need to step back for a second and go, The one who made everything out of nothing can take anything and do something with it. Because if he can make everything out of nothing, he can take anything that you and I are going through and do something beautiful out of it. All the junk, all the garbage, all the pain, all the difficulties, all the beauty, all the amazing things, anything that goes on in our life, God can do something beautiful with it. There's no waste with God. We're wasteful. We waste the lessons, we waste the opportunities, not God. So when we look at him as Elohim, the one who created life out of nothing, and we wonder if he could do anything with our stuff, we can't even fathom what God's capable of. All we know about God is still a drop in the bucket of what we can know about God. And we even challenge that. We are such a messed up creature, you know? But he loves us. He loves us in spite of that. So you look at this great Elohim, the Mighty One. He created light. He created life. And not only did he create life, he created man. Not just any life, he, he, he created man. He wasn't done. You read through the, through the whole account in Genesis 1, he wasn't done. Everything was ready for his masterpiece, for his ultimate creation. My, my, my kids have been hounding me for, like, critters. This whole last year, they're like, they want all sorts of critters. And I, I'm kind of torn because I, I kind of want to get some of these critters, and some of them I really don't care to have. And so, like, my daughter's been kind of hounding me for, like, a hamster for a while. I'm like, maybe we'll get a hamster, maybe we won't. I really don't want to get a hamster right now. Look, we got a goldfish down at the Greek festival 10 months ago. Can you just be happy with sparkles, you know? We've got a black lab, she's good. Why do we want a hamster? Why do we need a snake? Why do we need a turtle? Why do we need these things? And, but here's, here's what I know, if I say yes, if I say yes, here's what's gonna happen. If I say yes, let's get the hamster. If I say yes, let's get the turtle, whatever it is. You know what we're gonna do, right? We're gonna go down to some pet store and we're gonna find an aquarium or a box or some sort of habitat environment. And we're gonna spend some money on that and then we're gonna get it. And then you gotta put stuff in it, right? You gotta put the right bark, the right water, the right food, you know, the little to- toys for them or whatever, you, you, you outfit everything. And it's not about the environment, it's not about the container. Everything you're doing is for that hamster. Like this is going to be one spoiled hamster if we go there, right? Some of you have spoiled the snot of a little hamster by spending hundreds of dollars on a $10 dollar critter, and it lives the high life. you know? <laughs> That's exactly what God was doing here. You see that? All those days of creation, he didn't come to a point where he was like, "Well, what else could I make?" you know? <laughs> Uh, Let's try this two-legged thing with a, you know, stubborn, rebellious attitude. You know, he got got the environment ready. He put everything in it that he wanted. And says, now I can make him. You know what that makes us? The most valued creation ever. He had you in mind. He had me in mind. He's the creator of man. We're unlike any other part of creation. When we look at that account, look at our roots here for a second. Genesis 1.26, right? And then God said, Elohim said, let us, there's that whole plurality again of his, you know, uh, nature. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish and the sea and the birds, and the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of the earth. And every tree with seed and fruit, you shall have them for food. And all the, vegeta- all the vegetarians go, woo And then um, all the meat eaters go, yeah, wait till after the flood. It's coming. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything that he made. And behold, it was what? What's it say there? Very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. You guys have heard this before. Creation account. Let it be light, it was good. Let it be this, good, 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 good. You finish this man, very good. It says we're made in the image of God. You know what that means we have been given god-like qualities unlike any other aspect of creation you read genesis 1 through genesis 3 and you look at all the creation count as god zooms in in the next chapter and here's what you see that you don't see with any other creation he makes everything else out of nothing but here's what he does not do for any other uh, thing that he created he doesn't personally breathe the breath of life into him because when you fast forward it says that god breathed the breath of life he didn't do that for the other critters that gives us this unique image of God that he personally breathed our breath of life into us. He made us with his God-like characteristics. We have an intellect unlike anything else in creation. We have the ability to, to reason and have logic. We can construct and create. We're, we're relational because the Father, Elohim, is relational. We have this moral capacity because we were made by a holy, righteous God. That's part of the image of God in our life. Uh, We have all these things designed to rule and have dominion. That's of the Lord. We have these these tendencies in us that all little fingerprints of God are being made in his image. And he made us, and he drew us close. (laughs) And when we look at that, here's what we do. Because God made me, I have great value. We like the sound of that. Hey, we live in a world that's always trying to strip us of our value. Hey, you don't make enough money. You're not this. You're not that. You don't look this way. You don't have such and such. You don't have value. All we gotta do is go back to the way we created. Uh-uh. Elohim made me in His image. I have tremendous value. We go. I have value. I like the sound of that. I have meaning. I like the sound of that. I have purpose. I like the sound of that. And now I'm accountable to the one who made me. Time out. Don't like the sound of that. Right? That's what we do. We like all the other stuff. Purpose and meaning and all. Yeah. Let's let's go. To and it's like wait a second. Now I'm to be held accountable to Elohim. I'm accountable to the mighty one, to the creator. I'm accountable to the one who made me. Like, like you look at all the debates and the arguments and all the, the conflict that's happened for centuries over whether or not there's a creator or not. And here's my personal opinion. When you distill all that stuff down, when you distill all the uh, man's attempt to take out an eraser and try to erase the Sharpie pen of God all these attempts to get him out of education and politics and philosophy and science and all these kinds of things, all man's attempts to try to get rid of God, to get rid of the creator, here's what it boils down to ultimately. I don't want to be accountable. Because if I admit there's a God, then I have to be accountable to that God. And now i got to look at this book that no matter how much you disagree with it, it's still there, with these laws and these commands from God, then now I have to obey. The root of all that stuff is disobedience. We just want to disobey. We want to be, we want to be the big E Elohim. We don't want to be the little E. We want to be the big E. And yet God still loves us. He still loves us. He still has done all that he's done. And so we look at this Elohim, we look at this mighty one, look at this amazing God. And he created light, and he created life, and he created man. And this is beautiful. This is the last thing I want to share with you today. Elohim created a connection to us through Jesus Christ. This this is where when you start to work your theology, and this is going to be a drop in the bucket right now, we we look at who Jesus is. How how does Elohim help us connect with the understanding who Jesus is? There's all the debate about whether Jesus is God, whether Jesus is his exclusive way to heaven, all these things, and it's so true. And what happens is we basically understand that Elohim got personal. And Elohim came to us in Jesus, God incarnate, the God man, the one who had a miraculous birth, lived a miraculous life, died on a cross, and rose from the grave. Jesus none other than Elohim. You know, like, whoa, 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 Elohim's Old Testament. What's going on? New Testament doesn't use Elohim. No. When you look in the New Testament, the word God is the Greek word theos. But here's the deal the big E Elohim in Hebrew in the Old Testament is understood in the big T, Theos, in the New Testament. And we see all these little bridges. I'm only going to have time to touch on a couple, but I just want to go to back, I want to go to a classic passage, usually a Christmas passage. Isaiah 9 6. Look at this. This is, this is beautiful. Isaiah 9 6. For to us a child is born. This is speaking about the birth of Christ, right? To us, the son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, and what, Mighty, Mighty God. What does Elohim mean? Mighty one. They're saying here of the future coming Messiah that he's going to be Mighty God, Mighty L, capital E, big E. Jesus is the Mighty L, and he's part of Elohim. I <laughs> mean, it's, it's amazing. It's all right there. Jesus is L. He's God. You know, it's, it's amazing. A, a beautiful contrast is when you look at Genesis 1, what are the first three words in Genesis 1? In the beginning. Okay, kicking off the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 1. Now, we fast forward to the New Testament in John chapter 1. Anyone want to take a guess what the first three words are of John 1, 1? In the beginning. Hmm, must be a sheer coincidence, I'm sure. And what do we see in the beginning? What further enlightenment does God give us? When you look at John 1, look at verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word. Of course, if you look to John 1, you understand that Jesus is the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were what? What's it say there? Made. All things were made through him. And without him, not anything was made. Wait, Jesus made everything? Yes. Jesus, as part of the Elohim, as part of the triune God, it was when you, look at, you look at Colossians, you look at Hebrews, you look at all these verses, he was the agent of creation. Jesus was the agent of creation. All things were made by him, through him, as God. And we're going, wait, okay, one God, three people, how's that work? I don't know, I'm going to blow a fuse every time I try to think about it. Because God gave us just enough to understand without going, I'm going to give you everything. And we look at this, and then, and then, and then it gets better. You ready for this? Verse 4. John 1, 4. In him was what? Life. And the life was the what? Light. Hmm. Sound familiar? Elohim created light. He created life. He's the creator. He's the illuminator. Everything's come from him. You know, when, you, when, you, when you go down to John chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, speaking on that concept even more, says the true light. Talk about Jesus. He's the true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Jesus is Elohim, the one who brings life, the one who brings light, and he comes down in person to connect with us. Why? Because we're lost, we're sinful, we're rebellious. and says we need to connect, and so I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to die for all your sinfulness. I'm going to raise from the grave to show you that I am the mighty one. I am the strong one. The grave can't even hold me. Do you realize the grave is the strongest thing that we understand? Like, think about it. The the one thing that scares people more is fear of death. It's the strongest thing we know. There's no coming back from that. You know what I'm saying? Outside of God's promises. And and Jesus comes down and goes, let me me take the thing you're scared of most. Death, done. Resurrection. I'm over that. Because I'm Elohim. I'm the mighty one. Out of the strong one. And even death can't hold me. And this is God displaying his power. And it's like, let's look at the handiwork of Jesus. Let's look what Jesus does. Because we're, we're going, if Elohim is the one who made everything out of nothing, and he can take anything and make something, look at what Jesus did. When Jesus came down, I love, and Pastor Rick told me this, he said he took a lot of nobodies and made somebodies out of them. That was good. Because you wouldn't know who Mary was if it wasn't for Jesus. And you wouldn't know about Matthew or Peter, or Paul, all the names that we look to as spiritual heroes. Jesus made them that. He took nobodies and made them somebodies. For you and I, we walk around going, "Ah, I'm just a nobody. You know what? You let God loosen your life. You let God use you uninhibited, unhindered. And he's going to use you as a somebody too in this world, not in the human context, but because God's going to use us to do something great. And then you look at Jesus and you look at all the things that he did and he took all these anything. He took, he took these, these people no one knew and he elevated them and he took situations and problems. Okay, hungry people, let's feed them miraculously. Big storms, let's calm it. Oh, this person's blind, this person's deaf, this person's lame, this person's dead. Okay, you can see, you can hear, you can walk, you come back to life, come out of the grave. When you look at Jesus, he has all that Elohim-ness coming out because he can take anything and do something with it. Why? Because he's the one who made everything out of nothing. And I want you just to camp out on that because all of us are sitting here with something in our life. we got these anythings that come in. And if you understand God as your Elohim, if you can grab the concept today and go, God is my Elohim, he's my mighty one, he's my strong one, here's what you're saying. He made me, he loved me. Not only did he, not only is he the one who made me, he's the one who paid for me by coming on the cross and dying and raising from the grave. This one, if he can make anything out of nothing, if he can make everything out of nothing, then he can make anything going on in my life into something. What something have you walked in here today that you need God to touch? What darkness needs to flee? What dead thing needs to come to life? What dying thing needs to be revived? What's your storm? What's your situation that you need to come to God and cry out to him as your Elohim? And trust that he can take your anything and turn something into it. Do you guys see how when you start to understand the names of God, it takes us places we just don't go normally. You click on these names of God in Scripture, and they open up a deeper understanding. And today we clicked on Elohim. He's our God. He's our mighty one. He's our strong one. He's our creator. The one who made everything out of nothing, he can take our anything and make something. And I don't know what your something is or anything is today, but God can do something with it. So here's my challenge for you. I don't know where you're at spiritually. Some of you, you're sitting here, you don't even have a relationship with the Lord. And the first something you've got to get is that you have this non-existent relationship with God. He says, come on, let's have a relationship. You just have to say, okay. And all you got to do is come to a place where you realize you need him. And you say, God, come into my life. Man, I realize you came down in person, died on the cross for my sin, rose from the grave so we can have a relationship. I need that. And you just tell them that. If you do that, do us a favor. Mark on that um, response card in your program that you made that decision to follow Christ today. I, I challenge you, if that's you, take one step further. We're going to have a few of our friends back in that corner. That's just a prayer corner. And if, and if you've come today and you need a relationship with Christ, we've got a few friends that will be back there. They'd love to introduce you to Jesus. Go back there during this last song or you know, near the end of the service and just talk to them. Maybe you've come here today and you've got some heavy something going on in your life (laughs) and you just need some extra prayer. You can go back there too and pray or you can write it down how we can be praying for you. But my hope is this. There's a little blank there. All of you can look on that response card. It says, because God is Elohim, it means what for me? Realizing who God is, what does that mean for you? What's the anything you're hoping he can do something with? Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for being Elohim. Thank you for being the mighty one, the strong one, the creator. God, forgive us for trying to be the capital E in our life. (laughs) Positions already taken. Forgive us for being rebellious and sinful. Thank you for coming in person. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sin. Thank you for raising from the grave to give us eternal life and new life. God, I pray right now for every person here that doesn't have a relationship with you that today would be the day that they surrender that and let you do something beautiful by giving them new life in Christ. God, for those who are believers in this room, God, that are struggling, struggling with sin, struggling with rebellion, whatever it is, God, will they just be reminded today that you sit on the throne and they do not. God, drawn back into a loving yet submissive relationship to you, to be accountable to you. Lord, for those who are hurting, God, calm the storms, feed the hunger, bring life, bring light, And Lord, for the gifts we're about to receive, God, take these. And God, may you multiply them so that we can tell more people about the great name of our God, the Elohim. So Lord, we love you, praise you, ask us in your name. All of us said together.